Go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 12 this morning. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to read about one of Jesus' miracles and something that I've been kind of pointing out and something I've, I've learned just from studying the Scriptures is whenever you see Jesus do a miracle, the type of miracle He did, it was kind of meant to teach a spiritual lesson. And uh, as we read this, I want you to just kind of see if maybe you can pick out what the spiritual lesson is. You do kind of have to look a little deep on this one. But, for example, when He would raise people from the dead, He was trying to show that He was the resurrection and the life and that if we would believe on Him, even though we were dead in our sins, we could be made alive spiritually. We could be saved. That's what He was trying to show when He raised somebody from the dead. That He didn't come to this earth to perform miracles just to make dead people come back to life because they all died again eventually later. But he was he did those miracles to prove that he could save people. Okay, when he would heal lepers, the reason Jesus would heal those lepers is he was showing that he had the power to cleanse sin. It was, you know, leprosy was kind of symbolic of sin. It's a disgusting, incurable disease. But thank God, uh, Jesus was able to cure it. And our sin, it's an incurable thing. We can't fix it ourselves. But Jesus Christ can fix it. And He proved He had the ability to do that by healing people of their leprosy. And so we're going to look at a, uh, a miracle that Jesus did here in Matthew chapter 12. And I want to show you the spiritual lesson I believe that we're supposed to learn from this. And I want to ask you a very important question and then try to use Scripture to see if you can answer this and hopefully have the right answer in your life. But Matthew chapter 12, verse 1, says that, that at that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and His disciples were unhungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto Him, Behold, Thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. And He said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was unhungered, and that they were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest." Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests and the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? And that they might accuse him. And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him how they might destroy him. So here in this story, we see the miracle of Jesus healing a man with a withered hand. Okay, A man whose hand it was all shrunken up. It was withered. It was, it was useless. There was nothing he could do with it. And Jesus just tells him to stretch it forth, and it's just like his other hand. Completely fine. And here he does this wonderful miracle, and the Pharisees decide we need to figure out how we can destroy this man. Now, why would you want to destroy somebody that just healed a man who has a withered hand? What, why were they so threatened 
by Jesus Christ. We see also in the story, it's mentioned in Mark and Luke in verse chapter 3, verse 5, it says, when He had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, He said unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. We see that Jesus was angry at the Pharisees for their attitude towards what Jesus had been doing on the Sabbath day. We see the story right before about how uh, the disciples, they, you know, they, they were taking the corn as they were walking through a cornfield and they were eating it. And on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees, they got all offended by this. They were bothered by this. And so, you know, the problem that the Pharisees had with Christ, it wasn't that they didn't think he was trustworthy. Because we see in many of their conversations, they're like, you know, how can he do all these things. There were many Pharisees that believed on Christ because look at what He's doing. Look at these miracles. But yet there were some, they were just hard of heart and they refused to listen. And the reason for that is Jesus threatened their very way of life. You know, He was a threat to the authority that they had over the people. The Pharisees, they were a great example of the blind leading the blind. They were lost. The people that were following them were lost. But you know what? Their system, their religion, their way that they had going, it was working for the Pharisees. They had the people where they wanted. They got praise from the people. We see that. Jesus mentioned that. They were feared of the people. They were respected by the people. They had control. They had the titles. They had all that, you know, accolades that goes with being great but they did such a, and they did such a good job of acting holy and looking holy that people listened to them people listened to what the pharisees had to say they did what they wanted them to do and then Jesus comes along and Jesus's teaching made it very clear that these pharisees were no better than everyone else in fact Jesus made it pretty clear that the pharisees were worse than everybody else and you know, the Pharisees, they were never really able to make sense of things to the people before, but you know what, boy, they looked apart, they had the authority, and here comes Jesus along, and He's just giving them truth, and people are understanding it, they're believing it, and they're following Jesus instead of the Pharisees. Even though they were the worst one of the bunch. And so in this story, we see that they're accusing Jesus of violating the Sabbath day. They're trying to use the law against Jesus. See, and the laws that they quoted, they were laws. They were Bible. But we see with the Pharisees, their obedience to the law, it was not out of a love for God. Their obedience to the law, it was, it was their method of controlling people. It was their method of you know, scaring people maybe into doing the things that they wanted them to do. But look, you know, they accused Jesus and His disciples of working on the Sabbath day. And you know, it did say in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. So, you know, let's play... Let's, if I if I may jump to the Pharisees' side for a minute, well, weren't they if they're gathering food for themselves on the Sabbath day, isn't that against isn't that against the law? Isn't Jesus and his disciples violating one of the Ten Commandments? Deuteronomy chapter twenty three verse twenty five it says, "When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, 
Then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. It was in the law that if you're traveling from place to place and you are going by your neighbor's field, you were allowed to take from there and eat the corn. Okay? We don't have laws like that today. Most of us, if we had an apple tree or something in the yard, we wouldn't appreciate our neighbors just walking through and eating some of the apples. But you know what? Uh, they, they had that law back then. They were supposed to do that. And so, Jesus and His disciples, that they weren't stealing when they took that corn. It was according to the law that they, were, that they were able to eat that, but not on the Sabbath day. They weren't supposed to be doing that on the Sabbath day. In Numbers chapter 15, verse 32-36, we're not going to turn there, but they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And they're like, man, this guy's violating the Sabbath. What are we supposed to do? And so they went to God and, they, and Moses asked God, what should we do with this man? And God said, stone him. And a guy just for gathering sticks on the Sabbath day was taken out and he was stoned. So, what's going on here? And Mark chapter 2, verse 27, I, you know, we, we understand Jesus teaches them later that the whole idea of the Sabbath, it was not, the Sabbath was not to be used as a method of controlling people. The Sabbath day, it was, it was really a gift to the people. Mark 2.27, this is the same story in the, same, uh, in, uh, the Mark account. He mentions this. He said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Okay? That's like, we're hungry. We need to eat. The Sabbath, it wasn't meant to beat down man. It was meant to help them. Okay, so what was the difference between that man who gathered sticks and Jesus' disciples in this story? Well, that man who was gathering sticks, he was going against the command of God. He was going against the Word of the Lord. So what was Jesus doing? Well, here's the thing. And you know what? There's some religions out there that aren't going to like what I'm about to say. But this is just the truth. And that is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't telling Jesus what to do. Jesus is Lord. You know what? Ultimately in this story, you know what Jesus was trying to show them? And also with this miracle that He did, Jesus was trying to show them who was boss. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word. He said it. He proved it. And either you believe it or you don't believe it. If you believe it, you're saved. If you don't believe it, you are lost. And you know what? Jesus, He did He. He said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Let me prove it to you. Here's a man with a withered hand. Jesus says, stretch forth thine hand. And He stretches it forth. He did that so they could know that He was Lord of the Sabbath. I'm doing this. I'm doing this miracle to show you who I am. I am God. I am the Word. I am. I am the Messiah. And He proved it when He did that miracle. Nobody can do a miracle like that. That defies science. For a man whose hand is withered up like that, to just for it to be stretched and to be made whole, just like the other one, that defies all signs. But guess what? It doesn't matter with God. I mean, the God that we're talking about, He spoke this universe 
into existence. Jesus Christ is Lord and He proved it. And you know what? He was angry because these people, they were hard of heart and they would not believe Him. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus Christ, He is Lord of everything. He is Lord of all. The Bible says in Revelation 17, He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so having said all this, understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord of everything. He is the boss of everything. You see, the Pharisees, they tried to act like the Word of God was the final authority. But the truth is, the Word of God was standing right there in front of them. And the reason they didn't like what the Word had to say then at that point was because they had succeeded in figuring out how to use Scripture to control everybody else. And they had figured out how to get everybody else under their thumb and how they could be the boss. And I want to ask you this morning, who is Lord of your life? When we use that term Lord, you mean it's that one who is the ultimate authority. It is a term of respect for one who is in authority. And Jesus Christ, He is Lord of everything. So let me ask you this. So, so understanding that He's Lord, what will you allow Christ to change in your life? Because this is the problem. People will say, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that Jesus is all these things. But then when it comes to, alright, well, you know what? Jesus Christ, the Lord. Christ the Lord says this. Well, I'm not, he, he can't tell me to do that. Well, actually, He can. He is, he is Lord. And many people say He's Lord of their life, but they won't let Him change anything. These Pharisees, they acted like they were all about God, but here God comes along and He tries to change some things in their life and they are not willing to budge. They're not willing to change a thing. And I'm afraid we are more like the Pharisees than we want to admit sometimes. And so, what would you allow Christ to change in your life? Would you allow Him to change who you submit yourself to? Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 7. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 7 says, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, The people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You know how many people today they do with their mouth, oh, I love God. Oh, I love the Lord. I love the Word of God. But then you come on them and you say, well, thus saith the Lord. Oh, I ain't doing that. Nobody can tell me to do that. You know, will you allow, would you allow Christ to change your religion? We believe around here that the Bible is the final authority. And, you know, we're a Baptist church. We believe in Baptist distinctives. But you know what? If we find something in the Word of God that contradicts what most Baptists say, guess what? Bible comes first. Word of God comes before Baptist. Word of God. It is the final authority. You know, I, I say this, and I was, I was taught this my whole life, and I never got the memo that this was something you just say. I've tried to actually practice it. And those of you that have been around here, I think you know I do practice it. If you show me where I'm wrong in the Bible, we'll change what we believe about things. Because the Bible is the final authority. I don't care who it makes mad. It's the final authority. Jesus Christ, He is Lord of my life. And if His Word says something that's contrary to my religion, then you know what? I need to do that. You know how many people they are not willing? You can show them what the Bible says, but they're not willing to change what their religion is. 
You can show them, hey, look, the Bible says right here that it is not of works, and you realize your religion's teaching you have to be good to go to heaven. You got to do works. You got to do whatever. Look what the Bible says. I can't turn my back on my religion. Okay, so your religion is Lord of your life. Well, you know what? The Bible says believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Not believe on the Lord Baptist Church or the Lord Catholic Church or the Lord whatever. No, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He is the final authority. You know, Would you be willing to change influences in your life? Listen, there's false prophets out there. How do we know who a false prophet is? Anyone who denies that Jesus is a Christ. Christ. He's a liar. Anyone who goes against what the Word of God says is a liar. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And yet there's people out there, they will totally deny what the Bible says. They will teach things completely opposite. But, oh, I like that person. He's a nice guy. He's a good person. No. If he's going against what the Word of God says, we shouldn't listen to him. But many people are not willing to change those influences in their lives. They're not willing to change the traditions we see in this passage that we read. But in vain do they worship Me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. We see the Pharisees, they had all these traditions. They had all these things about hand washings and stuff that they would do that they got mad because Jesus and His disciples didn't follow their traditions. And they forced these things on everybody else And they were not willing to change them. Their traditions came before the Word of God. Their their traditions, it came before the very Word Himself. It came before Jesus Christ. And you know what? We should never allow any... I'm all for traditions, okay? As long as they're not against the Bible. But you know what? They they should not be Lord of our life. I'm all for having family traditions. But you know what? You shouldn't violate the Word of God to do your family traditions. You know, you shouldn't violate what God wants you to do based on some tradition, a religious tradition. You know, you know, religions, they all have different traditions and things, you know, things that we do for fun. We've got, I guess you could say, traditions already around here at the church. We've got certain things we do every year. You can call them tradition if you want. But you know what? If we find out that what we're doing goes against the Word of God, I say forget the tradition. Let's do something else. Let's stop it. Let's let's change it. We're not gonna we're not gonna violate the word of God because it's it's Lord of our life. Jesus Christ is Lord. And would you allow Jesus Christ to change who you submit yourself to? Many people are so loyal to institutions, to religions, maybe even to preachers, that you can show them in black and white what the Bible says and they're not willing to listen. And that's how the Pharisees were. Jesus would show them from the Old Testament all the time. You guys are totally misusing the Bible. He would always say you do err not knowing the Scriptures. And He'd show them what the Scripture would say. And then He would demonstrate that He was telling the truth through some miracle, through His power. And you know what? They still wouldn't listen. Why? They weren't willing to let the Lord change them. Wouldn't let them change their influences. They feared the people. Hey, they're listening to Him instead of us. Well, they were doing what they were supposed to do. They were they were letting Jesus Christ change the influences in their life. And there are some influences we probably just need to get away from. That we need to stay away from. And we just need to say, you know what, Lord? You're the ultimate influence in my life. And any influence that's out there that leads me from You, I reject. I'm going I'm to cut ties. I'm getting away from it. But would you allow Him 
that we say is Lord of all. We say we believe that. But would you allow Him to be Lord over your lifestyle? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's amazing how many people come along and they say, I want to be a Christian. I want to, I love God. I believe God. But they do not want to change anything in their life. You know, it's amazing. You know, we, we know all the terminology that we're supposed to use many times. You know, we know that, alright, you know, why do, why do we need to be saved? Well, we need to be saved because we're sinners. Okay? If we need to be saved because we're sinners, okay, and if there's a penalty for sin, we believe that penalty is eternity in hell. Okay? So obviously, if the penalty for sin is eternity in hell, God must not like sin. Correct? Alright? You don't have to be, you don't have to think too deep to get this. Okay, if Jesus Christ died on the cross, that horrible death to pay for our sins, it must be because sin is so bad it needs to be dealt with, it needs to be paid for. Alright, and if He, His blood cleanses us from our sins, you know, maybe God's trying to change us. Okay? You ever think about that? That God could be trying to change us? It's very clear God wants to change us, doesn't it? It's all over the Bible. We're not going to go into all the Scriptures on it. He wants to change us, but yet many people, I don't want to be changed at all. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, so he's, you know, I believe He's Lord, but we're not willing to let Him be Lord over our lifestyle. We're not willing to let Him be Lord over our schedule. Oh, well, I, you know, I know we're supposed to read the Bible, but that would cut into my TV time. Oh, you're not willing to let the Lord cut into your schedule? You're not willing to be Lord over your schedule. Ah, church, if I go to church, you know that that takes a lot of time out of my week. You know, I can't, I can't, you know, tie my Sundays up. You know, my Sundays. And who's Lord in your life? It's clear. You know who Lord is in most people's lives themselves. But you know what? Let them change your schedule. Yeah, you know, I used to go golfing on Sundays, but now I'm going to start going to church. Yeah, I used to fish on Sundays, but I'm going to go to church. You know, I used to I used to watch TV all evening, but you know, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I used to watch the news in the morning, but instead, I'm going to read my Bible first. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to let the Lord change me. I'm going to let Him change my hobbies. You know, I'm going to let Him change. You know, the way I talk. You know, I I used to when I got mad, I'd you know, I'd start cussing, I'd say all these terrible things. You know, I'm going to stop using those words. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop doing that. You know what? I'm going to quit telling dirty jokes. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit acting like that. I'm going to quit listening to him. Are we willing to let him be Lord over our occupation? Many people they'll sell out the will of God, you know, for a job, for you know, for a small raise. They will get out of the will of God. They'll get out of church. They'll stop being involved in the things of God for just a little more money. Who cares? You know what? If the Lord is Lord of your life, you're going to say, Lord, I'm I'm not going to even get a job that's going to take me out of your will. Why? Because He's first. He's number one. He is Lord. And you, you, we ought to be willing to let Him change us. Well, I've, I've been doing this for years. This has been my routine. This has been the way I've done things. But you know what? I've learned different from the Bible. And so you know, I'm changing that. I'm not doing that anymore. You know, we used to sing songs in churches like the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. It's been a great change since I've been born again. Well, nowadays, I, I don't want to change. I just want to keep doing. You know what the problem is? You don't want him to be Lord over your life. You don't. We, you know we don't like the thought of authority. 
in this country. We're a very rebellious generation. You know, kids these days, they don't listen to parents. There's no respect for parents. We see kids in schools today, no respect for the authority in the school. No respect for the teachers. Teachers aren't even allowed to discipline kids anymore. I keep hearing stories in the news about teachers. They'll come up with some kind of way to discipline the kids and the teacher ends up getting fired. I mean, it's ridiculous. And you know, these kids, you know why they're out of control? Just no respect. No respect for authority. No respect for police officers. We're seeing that kind of thing today. And just, it's out, it's out of control. And you know what? People have no respect for the Lord Jesus Christ. He can't tell me what to do. He can't. I'm not going to let Him be Lord of my life. Well, you know what? I want Him to be Lord of my life. And so he's, He can change whatever He wants in my lifestyle. That should be our attitude. Would you allow Him to be Lord over your finances? Uh, don't don't get. I, I won't stay on it long, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on it. Hey, who's Lord over your life? You know, some people money is Lord of their life. Money tells you what to do. Your financial situation, your budget, it tells you what to do. You're controlled by that. You all say, I do my own thing. Nobody can tell me what to do. No, man, I could buy you out for ten dollars right now. That's how that's how controlled some of us are by money. You know, your boss, all he's got to do is you know just offer you a little raise and you will you'll sell out in the will of God just like that. I know I mean people they'll sell their families out just for a little more money. Doesn't matter they're never going to get to see their family. Doesn't matter it's going to hurt the husband and wife relationship and they're not going to be able to be there for their kids. Hey, it's a little more money. And they'll sell their family out for money. I mean their lord is money. It's absolutely you know and you say you're doing your own thing? No, you're not. You're being absolutely controlled by money. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For by Him were all things created. This is our monthly verse. That are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for you. No. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him, all things consist. Everything that there is is his everything you have is his if he asks you for something you should be willing to give it every bit of it why because he is lord it's his he is he is the boss would you give what he tells you to give will you be honest even if it hurts you financially okay sometimes being honest hurts you know Sometimes it'd be easier to cheat on your taxes, you know. But why don't we cheat on our taxes? Is it because we fear God or fear the IRS? I have to ask myself that question sometimes. <laughs> I'm scared of both. <laughs> and but you know, it might you doing the right thing might hurt you financially. You doing the right thing might mean you know you get a bad deal. It might mean that there's going to be less money in your wallet. But you know what you say. Jesus is Lord of my life and He wants me to be honest. He wants me to be fair. He wants me to be truthful. And boy, I could really take advantage of this situation. This would really help me out. But you know what? Money is not my Lord. It's not going to tell me what to do. I'm kind of... you know, I sometimes use my rebellious nature to help me be obedient to God. I ain't doing what the world tells me to do. I don't like the world. You know, I don't. I'm not letting money tell me what to do. 
I'm going to listen to the Lord. And you know what? Use, you know, we're all so rebellious against the Lord. Well, use that rebellion against everybody else. Against everything else that tries to be Lord over our life. And say, you know what? I'm going to be free in Christ and I'm going to do whatever He says to do and nobody can stop me. The government can't stop me from being obedient to the Word of God. Nobody. My friends, my co-workers, my, my family, they cannot stop me from being obedient to God. Why? Because He is Lord of my life. Would you allow Him to be Lord over your friendships? James chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. It, so is this saying we can't even be friends with lost people? Is this saying that we can't be friendly with lost people? Is this mean I gotta, you know, treat everybody that's not saved like scum? No, that's not what it's saying. But what it, the best way I can think of to illustrate this, all right, and I hope nobody thinks I'm less of a man because of this, but you know what? I, do, I, do, I believe the husband's the head of the home. But you know what? There are some areas, there's one area in particular where my wife is Lord over me. Think, oh, what in the world is he talking about here? You know, I'll tell you, my wife is Lord over my relationships with other women. Think about it. You know what? My wife, she doesn't like me to go around hugging on women. Unless they're old enough to be my grandma. Then that's fine, you know, but, you know, she can make rules like that. You know, I don't sit around and just have conversations on the phone with other women and write letters to other women. My wife, she is a hostile dictator when it comes to my relationships with other women. She won't, you know, she is, she's, she's a downright dictator. And you know what? She has a right to be. You know why? Because I am her husband. I belong to her. And therefore, she has every right to do that. She has every right to say, you know what, you're not going to go places alone with other women. Okay? In that area, she's the boss. Why? Because I'm her husband. I belong to her and I do the same, I can do the same thing to her with other men. And you see, the reason God can do that God, he is he's Lord of our life. We belong to him. And so me not being able to have relationships with other women, it doesn't mean I can't be friendly. Okay? I mean, I do. I care about all the ladies here in this church. I'll talk to you. I'm nice to you. I mean it, but at the same time, there are there are limits. And my wife sets those limits. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go counseling another young lady all by myself. In my office, that would, my wife won't let me do that. Okay, and, you know, and I think that's I think it's smart not to do that. If I'm going to counsel a younger lady, I'm going to have my wife in there with me. She's going to be there. Why? Because I'm not allowed to even open myself up to temptation. I'm not allowed to take any chances on that. You know why? Because I belong to her, and so my relationships they aren't they're they're limited. There's some rules there, and if I'm all of a sudden putting any other woman's needs before my wife's, she's not going to be very happy with that. You know what? And if I'm not too careful, I can end up being what the Bible calls an adulterer. And the Bible here in James chapter 4, he said, ye adulterers and adulteresses. He's talking spiritually. In other words, if you put anything before Christ, 
Who is Lord over our life? Who belongs to us? We are committing spiritual adultery. He has every right to say, I am first. Why? Because He is Lord of our lives. Just like my wife has every right to say, you know what? You put me before you put any other woman. She has every right to say that. But God has every right to say that about everything in our life. Why? Because He is Lord. By Him all things consist. And so when it comes to my friendships with the world, the Lord allows me to be friendly to, to lost people. The Lord wants me to be friendly to them. But you know what? I'm not allowed to change who I am around them. If I'm around lost people, maybe they want to start talking dirty and telling dirty jokes. I'm not allowed to, I don't get, I don't get to join in on that. You know, I don't get to, I don't get to participate. I've got to be careful. I'm supposed to be a witness to them. I've got to be real about who I am. I've got to let them know, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't do that kind of thing. That's not how I act. I, I can't be fake. I've got, to, I've got to be real about who I am. And you know, would you allow Him to be Lord over your friendships? Would you allow Him to change your personality or bad habits? Go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Romans 6 and verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we continue in sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servant, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and holiness. Do you all realize that because we are flesh, we're made out of flesh, it's it's sinful. It is prone to sin. We just we talked about it a little bit in Sunday school. We just naturally gravitate towards sin. We naturally want to do the wrong thing. Some of us, I mean, we we've got tempers. Okay, you know, we have bad attitudes sometimes. We let things get us to act in ways that aren't Christ-like. Are we willing to say, you know what, Lord, you're Lord over my life. Lord, I'm going to let you change that. Lord, I've always been quick to maybe just, you know, lose my temper and let my anger get the better of me. But Lord, with your help, I'm going to get control of that. Why? Because I'm going to yield my members. Talking about my body, I'm yielding it to you. I used to I used to have these bad habits. I used to do these things that were maybe harmful and destructive to my body. Why? Because you know I just I'm used to giving in my flesh. I'm used to giving my flesh whatever it wants. But Lord, with your help, I'm not going to give in to my flesh anymore. Lord, I'm going to I'm going to do what you want me to do. Lord, I'm going to even do things that you said that goes completely against my flesh. I'm going to do things like fasting. Your flesh hate my flesh hates fasting. It hates it. But you know what? The Lord wants us sometimes to just deny our flesh and to just focus on prayer and fasting. 
Our flesh hates that. But you know what? I'm tired of giving the flesh the victory. I'm tired of letting this flesh be Lord over my life. I let this flesh just... It, it tells me what to do all the time. It tells me to sleep in. It tells me to... Instead of getting up and going to church, it tells me to watch a TV instead of reading my Bible. My flesh maybe tells me to punch somebody when I should just walk away. But you know what? I'm done letting my flesh be Lord over my life. And I'm going to let the Lord change me and what I do. People use that excuse all the time. Yeah, I've got a temper, but that's just who I am. Well, you know what? Change it. You have the Holy Spirit in you? Let Him change you. Oh, I do this because you know I got a temper because I'm Irish. I can't help it. It's just in my blood. Well, you know what? Is the Holy Spirit in you? If He is, yield to Him. Let Him change you. Oh, my family, they've all struggled with this sin of the flesh. You know, I've got family history in this area. Well, you know what? When you got saved, didn't you become a part of a new family? So why don't you yield yourself to that family instead? Just let Him be Lord over your life. The proof of what's right and wrong is very clear throughout the Bible. But sadly, many people, they're like the Pharisees. They're not willing to give up any control that they have in their lives. They're okay with Christ being Lord over their souls and over spiritual things. Yeah, I know, I can't get to heaven without Jesus Christ, so I'll let Him do what He's got to do. I'll do what I have to do so I can get into heaven. But when it comes to the flesh, when it comes to the things of the earth, it's like they want Jesus' hands off. But you know what? Jesus, He proved it. He proved it with this miracle when He healed that man's withered up hand. He proved that He is Lord over everything. He proved that He was Lord over the Sabbath. He's Lord over... He's Lord over science. He's Lord over you know, the things that, you know, as we know it, He is Lord over everything. And you know what? It's time that we treat Him as such. That we have that attitude. Lord, what do you want? I'll do it. Lord, it's up to You. Lord, what does Your Word say? That's what I'll do. That's what we ought to ask ourselves when it comes to a doctrinal thing. Now, well, what, what, what's the majority of Baptists saying? No, what does the Word of God say? Why? Because Jesus Christ, He's the one supposed to have preeminence in the church. He is the one that's supposed to be Lord. He is the head of the church. He is Lord over everything. And my question for you today is, who is Lord over your life? If it's not Jesus, you need to let Him be Lord over your life. And if you do, you'll be better off. I promise. You'll be better off. And don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to your flesh. Don't listen to the world. Let Him be Lord of your life. So with that, let's all stand together.